First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 13 and 18. Talk about something really exciting to me. I hope it is to you. I wanna read it for you. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Amen. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever.
life And there on a tree The Lamb of God was crucified And he went on down to hell He took back every key He rose up as a lion And he said
of his vast love for us.
worship you today, Jesus. Thank you for your great love for us. While we were still sinners, you died for us. We love you this morning. We focus on you. We lavish love and praise back to you for who you are, for who you have always been. Not just for what you've done for us, Lord, but because you're worthy. Because there are no other gods but you. Because you are enthroned in heaven. We join with the angels today, Father, because we can't help it. We, we love you.
today and we thank you for this relentless love that is constantly pursuing us we thank you for the victory over death the victory over the grave that we can celebrate today because of who you are and what you have done for us. We honor you today. You are worthy of our praise. You are the essence and the cause of our joy, our happiness. In spite of what the world delivers to us in spite of what circumstances might deliver to us regardless of what's happening around us you are the source of our joy our hope our happiness and we just cling to that today it's a perspective changer We are reminded of how awesome your grace and your mercy and your love is today. We are your people called by your name. We are defined by you. We are redefined by you. So we purpose today to park ourselves at your feet, open up our hearts and our minds to your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Whatever it is that you have to say to us today, we have hearts and minds and intentions to respond to you. That's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray and everybody said, Amen. I want to invite our ushers as we continue in this worship framework. Our ushers would just join us up here. Jesus, you are our provider. We honor you for the provision that has come, and we honor you in advance for the provision that is coming. And I, when I speak those words, I mean that not just corporately, but in our 
family units here, we, we trust you for everything that, that we need in our lives. You are our provider. So take what we have to offer you today, our tithes and our offerings. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And kids, you feel free to come and bring your offerings here, and then you can head out with Mrs. McKenzie. As we continue with this, let me just um, remind us of a few things. Hopefully you received uh, an e-blast from the church this week. Um, if you did not, if you're not on our email list, um, I would ask that you would just mark down your email, uh, name and email, so we can add you to our communications. It's an important way for us to get information out to you. So if you didn't receive something for from us this week, and you are interested in receiving that, please don't leave today without putting that into our hands, leaving it um, at the information booth. That would be very helpful. Um, part of that was um, we want to take in uh, some church members in the early part of April. If you're interested in joining our church in membership or want to find out more about it, um, please email me or text me, just reach out to me. I want to add you to our list, and we're going to get together and, and talk through the details and um, all, all the ins and outs of, of what membership looks like. Um, and, and then um, uh, we'll, we'll do that Sunday just before Easter. Also, a couple weeks ago, I... I chatted with you all about RE23, RE23, just a repurposing to focus in on discipleship and the importance of discipleship. Many of you reached out to me and want to participate in that. Uh, I have not forgotten about you, and uh, we are we're getting ourselves organized with that, so continue to be looking for how we will get you plugged in to that uh, new ministry that's happening. And then right after the service today, uh, for those that are interested in going to Ethiopia this summer, there's uh, about nine or ten of us. I just want to meet with the group for a couple of minutes right up here. Um, even if you haven't signed up yet and you've been thinking about it, join us for that two-minute meeting right after service right up here. Thank you for that. I want to invite you to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we're going to look at the Ten Commandments today. We, we looked at the parameters, the general parameters of the law that was given when Israel came to the foot of Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, whichever name you want to call that mountain, and God descended upon the top of that mountain and spoke 
to all of Israel. And when he spoke to all of Israel, it was the Ten Commandments that came forth from his mouth. When we read through Deuteronomy chapter 5, you're going to see that it's, it's almost identical to what shows up in Exodus chapter 20. The reason for that is we are at the end of Moses' life, okay? So Israel has been wandering through the desert, and <clears throat> the unfortunate thing took place, and Moses' punishment essentially, is that he's not going to be allowed to step foot into the promised land. So we've come to the end of Moses' life, and what that means is that Israel is now on the precipice of crossing over into the promised land, and will do so under Joshua's leadership. But Moses knows that he's not going to be able to cross over into that area. He knows he's coming to the end of his life, and so he sits down with the elders of the tribes, and he goes into reiteration mode. This is this is important reminder. I want you to know Israel. I want you to remember when when I am dead and gone, when I when I pass on, I want to have confidence that you are going to continue to adhere to the things that the Lord has told us to do. So I'm going to sit down with you and we're going to go over all of this one more time. And really, that's the, uh, the key purpose of Deuteronomy. So here we are, chapter 5 of Deuteronomy. And here's what it says, right from verse 1. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And this is what he said. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughter, 
nor your male or female servants, your ox, your donkey, or any of, your, of the animals, nor any, any foreigners residing in your town, so that, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not lie about them. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, their servants, their animals, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud, and the deep darkness, and he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountains were ablaze with fire, all the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me, and you said... The Lord your God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today, we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. But now, why should we die? This great fire will consume us, and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we have and survived? Go near, Moses. And listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then you come back and tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We will listen and obey. The Lord heard you when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard what this people said to you. Everything they said was good. Listen to, listen to this verse. This is God's heart here, his cry. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Go, tell them to return to their tents, but you, Moses, stay here with me so that I may give you all the commands, decrees, and laws you are to teach them to follow in the land I am giving them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk obedience, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. He's reiterating, he's reminding them of the story, the event that happened 40 years or so ago from the point that they are at right now. And he walks them through the Ten Commandments. Now, 
you may have seen some things in there that, that are a little curious. There's two parts to this story, to the giving of the law. The first one is what's verbalized. God verbalizes from the top of the mountain to everyone, for everyone to hear the Ten Commandments. And then Moses reminds them, and then he wrote them down and handed them to me on stone. But from there, in in a private conversation between Moses and God, the rest of the law is delivered. And then he passes that along to Israel. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. Or maybe you've been confused by, like, how does the Ten Commandments distinguish from all the eating or the dietary laws and the sacrificial stuff? And that seems to be how they're distinguished. The Ten Commandments are delivered audibly to every, for everyone to hear from God himself. And then it's the rest of the law is delivered directly to Moses. And he then passes that on to the rest of Israel. So they can understand the entire framework of the law. And Moses is like, you, you've been following me. I've come to the end of my days now. I want to know, I want to I have confidence that you're going to continue to walk inside of these parameters. The heart of God is that you would be inclined to do so. That it would not that you would not cease doing so, that you would continue to pursue him and and pursue the the way of living that he has framed out for you. And it's all-inclusive. They have rules for everything. Ten Commandments. Pretty poignant stuff declared in there and quite honestly it's really good for us really important for us to just read through them again today some churches have discarded the ten commandments have declared that they're no longer a part of the new covenant uh, I, I would strongly oppose that notion. Yes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, but this freedom doesn't function outside of parameters. When you, when you, when you think about these commandments, by the way, and, you, and you, you've seen me strike this pose many times in the past, and I'm, I'm going to do so again today to remind us. The Ten Commandments are broken down in, into two categories, the vertical and the horizontal. I am your God. You are to have no other gods before me. You are to not create any graven images In other words, there is to be no idolatry as a part of your equation. You're not to misuse my name. When you use my name, it it better be you're really talking about me or talking to me, not when you stub your toe. 
or hit your thumb with a hammer. Or you're like, oh my gosh. Folks, let me tell you, that phrase is thrown around so much anymore. And it's thrown around by believers. It's thrown around by pastors. We, we have lost touch with the Ten Commandments. If we can't pay attention to how we are using his name. It is, it is to be a, dis, a distinguishing aspect of, of who we are as followers of Jesus. And we're to have a Sabbath. Now there's confusion about that because, because the Jews will, will adhere to very clearly that, that Saturday is a Sabbath, but, but Christians have been using Sunday as a Sabbath. And, and Paul makes a declaration in, in his letters. You don't, the, the actual day of the Sabbath isn't nearly as important anymore as continuing the rhythm of having Sabbath. Church folks, if you are working seven days a week, you have put yourself into slavery. You are not functioning with freedom. Pay attention to that. Be careful with that. Make sure that you've got a Sabbath rest. The, 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 the instruction here is clear. We, I even want your servants to have a Sabbath rest. Because when they do, they're going to be able to function way better during the rest during that next week. So, folks, we you know he these 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 vertical instructions are have significant merit to us still to this day. How are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? These four first four commandments offer some good foundational instruction for us to maintain that focus. The next six is about our relationship with each other. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie about each other, don't covet each other's things. All of, all of these instructions are, are, are parameters for us on, on how we love our neighbor as ourself. It's why Jesus gave the answer when he did, what is the greatest commandment? And realize that, that, that the teacher of the law that, that brought this question to him was, was really trying to trap him, was trying to get him to focus in on, on something so that then they could expose what he left out. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, the very next chapter. If, if you continue reading in the next 10 verses or so, you find this phrase, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus adds on to that. And equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. For all of the law and the prophets Hang on these two commands. Loving God, loving your neighbor, everything inside of all of the book of Leviticus, all the reiteration in Deuteronomy, even on into the prophets, 
It all hangs on these two fundamental things. Your vertical and your horizontal. When, when Jesus died and rose from the dead and, and showed himself to those around him and then ascended into heaven and, and the Holy Spirit came upon the followers of Jesus and the church was born, there was a struggle. There was an immediate struggle and an immediate tension that existed in regards to the law. What about the law now? What about adherence to the law? Gentiles were, were believing in Jesus and coming into faith and, and coming into the church, and that's where the tension really got significant. Now you've got Jews and Gentiles worshiping side by side, and the Jews are like, hold on a second, this whole, this whole thing happened inside of this framework, and these people out here are, have to come inside, and they've got to fit inside of this framework, and and, and this, this real contention was, was happening in the church, and, and people that were from inside of the parameters did not want to be associating with these people unless they were following the law as they were. Paul shows up onto the scene, and let me tell you, he, his name was Saul first, and he was the fiercest defender of the parameters. So much so that the first time we hear about him, he's found murdering Christians who are functioning outside of the parameters. He's going to put this whole thing to bed. It's done. That was his intention until he came face to face with the person of Jesus on the Damascus Road. And it was the next couple of years we came to realize all that Jesus had done to fulfill these parameters. But this tension was still growing and growing and growing. And he writes some words about this in Romans. And, I, I, and, he, and he's trying to bring explanation to the body of Christ. He's trying to explain the parameters, the purpose of the parameters. You see, the people that had been functioning inside of the parameters always had a very particular mindset about the parameters. And that is, it was the parameters that was saving them. Functioning, the fact that they were functioning inside of the parameters is what was saving them. Adherence to the law was, was their road to salvation. But Paul came to understand something quite contrary to that. And as you walk through some of the chapters of Romans, you find that he's making an argument for the fact that, that the law did not exist to save us, but to actually expose the truth about sin. See, what, what, what the law did was the law helped to create, create a mindset or an understanding about what sin actually is. People that function outside of those parameters had no concept of do not commit adultery. That was perhaps the, 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 the concept of what purity inside of marriage 
for the rest of the world didn't really matter. But inside of the parameters of the law, it really mattered. Having an understanding of the law created a real deep understanding of, of, of the reality of and the effects of sin, which hindered this and hindered this. But it was never put in place to save them. Here's what he says right at the end of chapter 7 as he's kind of been laying this out. He's talking about this struggle, this, this, this struggle as a, as, as a person, as a human, as a man, as a, as a, as a Jew, as a, as a believer in Christ who is a Jew. He, he's saying things like this leading up to our reading that's going to show up on screen. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Anybody confused yet? Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Man, there's this thing, this internal struggle that is happening. Yes, he, he, he accepted Jesus as his Savior, but there's this war going on, and, and, it's, and he's pointing out there's this sinful nature that is, that is inside of all of us. And those who function inside of the parameters can acknowledge that. They can, they can see that, and they're, and they're offering sacrifices year after year after year after year to try to make that right. People that are functioning outside of the parameters, they don't understand what's going on inside of here. So when these Gentiles who've been living outside of this are invited into this and accept Jesus as their Savior, they're like, they're confused by all this stuff. And Paul's like, forget about all this stuff for now. Understand that all this stuff was put in place to help us understand this struggle that goes on inside of us. And it's perpetual. And when you've asked Jesus into your heart, there, there's a real tension, a real war that, that starts happening inside of you. But that's not the end of the story. So I find this law at work. And we have the reading now. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Imagine Paul, who I think most would argue might be the greatest Christian in all of Christian history, making a declaration like this. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, 
there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm going to read that again. I'm not sure you heard that. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm really glad you're glad about that. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. He goes on to say, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son. We focused in on this last week. Jesus is on the cross, and his last words are, It is finished. All of the stuff functioning inside of the parameters. He fulfilled, he accomplished, he completed. And so now there is this freedom for those who are in Christ Jesus because he accomplished all of this. So when it comes to our relationship with the law, and, and really, for us, the, the relationship with the Ten Commandments, and I, and I feel like I can personally distinguish this. I, I don't need to adhere to the dietary laws. Now, there might be some good for me to do that, okay? And there, and there would, would be personal good results if, if I adhere better to some of the dietary laws. But there's no condemnation that's connected to that anymore. My relationship with the Ten Commandments now is a relationship of worship. Because this is still in play. I can't go around murdering people and say, I love Jesus. Right? This is completely illogical. I can't steal from you and tell you I love you in the same breath. Those are diametrically opposed to each other. I can't go using the Lord's name in vain and then worship him. See? These things are still in play. And because these two relationships are still in play, I function in freedom, yes, I'm not not murdering you so that I can get to heaven. I'm not murdering you because I truly love you. And I truly love you because the love of Jesus has so invaded my soul and my spirit that it's transforming in such a way that that love comes out and there's nothing I can do about it. It's just, that's just the way it is. And I'm going to honor God and I'm going to worship him and I'm not going to have other idols and I'm not going to use his name. Why? Because the love of Jesus has so invaded my soul that it's transformed the way I think in such a way that I, I can't help but do this the way he has called me to do this. My relationship with the Ten Commandments is not like this anymore. It's just this. Jesus 
this elementary teaching. When we look at the Ten Commandments, we're reminded of Sunday school, children's church. We can blow right past these things because we assume that we just know everything about them. So let's move on to meat. Yet this elementary teaching is very significant to us. It's foundational. And our relationship to your word has changed. The the parameters have changed because you said it is finished. Some of the parameters are not as important anymore. But when we we get consumed by the parameters, we can forget about the whole reason they were really there to help us to understand sin, which ultimately impeded our relationship with you and our relationship with one another. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in you. When we have said yes to you, when we have been forgiven by you, and we have agreed to this relational contract with you and and are saved because of that, that, that condemnation is turned on its head. But our relationship with you and our relationship with Everyone around us is still fully intact. So our relationship with the law now just is really just a natural aspect of transformation happening, welling up from within. This is that what Paul's talking about. So we in this room who our whole journeys have been from the outside of the law in, we weren't born inside of this thing. We're the Gentiles coming in from outside. We thank you that the work on the cross was not just for those inside of the parameters, but for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever in the whole world would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. As our celebration today, ain't no grave going to keep us down. As we maintain this this time of prayer, church, I... Maybe there are are some here today, you've you've accepted Jesus into your heart. You have been functioning in his grace and mercy, but I think something was highlighted for you today. 
Paul's declaration of this struggle, of this internal war that's waging. And it's frustrating, and, it, and, and, and there's a constant uh, feeling or perception of, of failure that, that, that you have about yourself, about your journey, your spiritual journey, your relationship with God, and maybe even your relationship with others. And, 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 and maybe you're, what's been exposed, you're realizing today that, that you just have not been functioning with the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there are some like that here today. And you can sense the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, on your mind, saying, I've got more for you. I've got a whole new level of living that I can offer you, that I can create in you, that I, that I can, that, 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 that transformation, that mind and heart renewal that Romans 12 talks about, I want to do that in you. That's your, where you're at today. I, I just want to ask if, if you just raise your hand. Just, just saying this, this, is, this is where I'm at in my journey. Is there anyone like that in here? One, two, three, four. Anyone else? Five, yes, see that? Anyone else? Six, got you. Yes, seven. Yes. Yes, eight. Anyone else? I, w- I want to ask those that have, have raised their hands, I want to ask them to do something, and, and it's, a, it's a little gutsy. But when we talk about dying to ourselves, when we talk about all the law and the prophets hanging on these two commands, you, you can open your eyes. I, I want you to look at me for a moment. All the law and the prophets hanging on these two commands, what, what position have I assumed here? If I want this to really happen, this has got to happen. I, I am absolutely convinced that if this is going to function the way this right here has to do this. In fact, that's what he's saying in, in Romans. The only way that, that the law stops having rule over you is death. Those that are functioning inside of the parameters like this, the only way they can get outside of it is to die. You said that in, in chapter 6. Jesus did this for us. His death freed us from all of this. I think to free ourselves from this thing that Paul's talking about in chapter 7. If you're in a place today that this is what this is what you want to do. I just, I just want to invite you to come and just and kneel. We're going to make this an altar here. If you're ready to die to yourself today, and I want the band to come up here, and if Sarah, if you would just be playing. Um, 
But if, if you're in, if you're in a, a place today where you're ready to die to yourself, I just want to invite you to come and, and just kneel right here. And it's, it's a public declaration. It's a, it's a public display of, of dying to yourself. I, it is I who no longer lives, but it is Christ who lives within me. This is the point where the real freedom starts. Where we allow the Holy Spirit to overcome this war. It's a big word and it's kind of a big churchy word, but this is being sanctified. Being sanctified, made of the push and pull and want to move into a place of, of real surrender knowing that their relationship with you and their relationship with those that are around them are going to be really fully empowered by your Holy Spirit baptism of the Holy Spirit that will be taking place in their hearts and their minds and their bodies. Give them the strength and the courage right now to just lay it all down. Church, I want to encourage you just to continue to pray over these.
want to celebrate the victory over death that Christ has given us today. So in doing so, we want to invite you to stand. We sang this song earlier, Ain't No Grave. It may have been the first time you heard it. I, I hope it got into your heart and your mind enough that maybe now we could offer this celebration up um, with just real passion and, and uh, thankfulness about uh, what he has done for us.
between death and life. There on a tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. And he went on down to hell. He took back every key.
May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May you walk in the fullness of the Spirit this week. Have an amazing one. We'll see you next Sunday. Just a reminder of the Ethiopian meeting down here at the front.